Psalm 16, beginning in verse number 1. Preserve me. We spent the message last week really upon that thought, didn't we? Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. Now, if you take that first verse there, and if we were to skip all the way down to verse number 4, I'm going to keep reading here in a moment, but if you look at verse number 4, you see the contrast. Look at the contrast in verse number 4 to verse number 1. Verse 4 says, Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. You know, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings, David says, of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. You know, that's their portion. Then you get into verse number five, and it says, the Lord's our portion. But back to verse number two. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Again, there's verse number four. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. And of my cup, thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Think about the first part of that verse there. I know we haven't read the last one, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? So thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life. I, I hope that you can say that you're on that path this morning. Um. I mean, the, the path of life, life everlasting, life that when you know, the wise man's not here anymore in our midst, but he would dread some of those surgeries. And, and I'd say, brother, if you die on the operating table, you'll close your eyes under anesthesia and open them in heaven, you know, so to speak, uh, or at least being taken. If we look, at, if we look at, the, at Lazarus there outside the rich man's gate, the angels bore him to heaven. Can you imagine, you know, how precious in the, in, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, right? So you see those angels bearing Lazarus unto heaven. Um, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Is there, any, is there a greater joy? I mean, you, you think about the things in this life that bring us joy. Having the Lord magnifies that intensifies that i mean teresa and i could be married and not know the lord we could both be lost unsaved unconverted and and may still be married you know the the 34 right 34 34 years that we've been married i keep wanting to make it 35 is the reason um not because i've been dragging around a ball and chain or anything it's not it's been a long time it just 
It just seems like it's been 35 years, but I mean, we were together. She was a freshman in high school. I was a junior. We've been together ever since, you know. Um, so, but, you know, my point is knowing the Lord and being able to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that being my goal, I'm not saying I do that perfectly every day, you know, but I mean, how much richer our marriage is because of that. How much richer our fellowship with one another is because we know the Lord. I mean, we could know one another. I mean, I could live down the street from Donnie and neither one of us know the Lord, know each other, maybe have similar interests, you know, I, I don't know, and, and be good neighbors. But knowing the Lord, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it makes that relationship that we have with one another so much more I mean, you, you think about what's being said here. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. Is there more joy here than there would be at, the, at, at a baseball game if we were all, all were to get in the, a big church bus and go down to see the Astros play? Yeah, that, it would be okay, I guess. But if, if we didn't, maybe it wasn't a church bus. Maybe we didn't know the Lord. All of us go down there as, as a group and see, you know, a baseball game. We'll say it does. We'll say it does. At least, at least windows that open, you know, where we can get a fresh breeze coming through. But knowing the Lord, that could actually be something that we would, you know, we don't have to go to a baseball game to enjoy one another's presence, you know. Uh, but it would be that much more enjoyable because we do know the Lord. But you think about walking outside and looking at a tree or the birds on the wire out there on the power line singing or the flowers that are growing uh, that haven't all been burnt up, you know, because of the heat. Um, but the world looks at those things, how pretty. Oh, isn't that nice? But you can look at those things and glorify. You're, you look at those things in the Lord's presence. You look at those things and joy in Him and glory in Him. So, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pre- pleasures forevermore. Unending Unending joy, unending pleasure, uh, unending satisfaction, unending, uh, you know, just, just being in His presence, it's, it's, there's, there's not, you're not going to lack anything. Everything is going to be full. You know, we, we know these mountaintop experiences here, right? And then we go through some valleys. But there is just fullness, pleasures forevermore um, in heaven. So, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ryan, would you pray for us? Amen. Maybe seated. So, I almost started preaching to you the message from last week. I got the right one here now. <laughs> so 
So last week we spoke out of Psalm 16 upon the subject of God's preserving power. We're still on that subject as we continue throughout the psalm. Um, but we want to try. We'll see. We have eight remaining you know, verses. We only made it through three last week. Uh, I didn't intend on only preaching on three verses last week, but, but um, you know, this, may the Spirit lead us. And if we, if, we, if we need to be in this psalm for a couple more Sundays, then, uh, Lord, make it you know, profitable unto us and speak unto us through it. So I've already mentioned the contrast that you see between verse number 1 and what you see in verse number 4. Those who put their trust in the Lord... And those who, look what verse number four is saying. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. I don't know, Cohen, do you use the New American Standard? You have ESV. You, Donnie, you have NASB. Doesn't it use the word barter? I don't know if the ESV uses the word barter in verse number four. What does your say, Cohen? They run after, okay. And then yours has the word barter, okay. So you think about that, that's, that's an interesting thought. And you think about bartering for something. You're, you're an exchange that's, that's happening. They've exchanged the truth for a lie. They, they've exchanged the, the creator for the creature. There's an exchange, you know, that's, that's happening there. Um, you know, the King James, they hasten after, they run after. There's the word that, that Cohen had in the ESV. They're running after another God who's really not a God, right? But they're running after the things of this world. They're, they're exchanging the truth of the one true and living God for a lie and worshiping and serving the creature more than the Creator, right? Or instead of the Creator, so how many gods are there in this world that are no gods? Yeah. Yeah. yeah everyone's a god unto himself. You know, we could say that. They worship themselves. Uh, they're an idol unto themselves. But, but they worship all sorts of things, whether it be power, whether it be, um, you know, money and, and, and riches, or whether it be sex or whatever it is. I mean, it could be a, a, a sports team. It could be anything. Uh, people just live for that you know, whatever it may be. They could live for their boat or their four-wheeler. I mean, and what, what, a, what a small, insignificant thing to exchange for God. To worship and serve those things. Yeah. What is it? An air conditioner? <laughs> People live to dwell in air conditioning, yeah. Uh, we don't have one this morning, so it's on our, our minds. Um, I'll, I'll say again for anybody that's, that's listening through the webcast, the movement there is not me. I'm not moving around. It's the fan that's moving the camera. So um, if we have to continue this, we'll have to do something about that. But what do you devote yourself unto? What do you live for? Um, we, we, uh, for a little while, Andrew got interested in screen printing. You remember that? Um, and so we, we, we bought some of the stuff that you would have to, to to get, you know, in order to screen print on t-shirts and somebody he knew asked him to make a shirt that had a basketball and a net and underneath it had these words. It says ball, intending the basketball, 
ball is. You know what it might have said, Danny? What do you think the next word might be? Hmm? Life? Is that what you said? Yeah. Ball is life. Is that life? Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, as I know there was whenever I was in school, a lot of guys that you play sports with, they live for that and that alone. Now we can go back to our former thought in going, you know, somewhere or looking at a flower or the trees or whatever, and we see those things through a different lens. You know, there may be a man that's a, a forester and he sees those trees as money, um, but yet we see the beauty of the tree and we, bring, we give glory to God for it. You know, nothing wrong with Danny playing sports. There's guys that he plays with that they live for that and that alone. I, I, I remember the guys. I mean, they, when I would get into class, first period, get into class, and they got the sports page open already. And all these guys that they worshipped and, 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 and adored that were professional, you know, football, baseball, whatever, and that they hoped one day they might attain, you know, to that level themselves. That's what they live for, at least at that point in their life. I don't know if they're still living there now. They might be living after something else. But we'd love to, to know that, that was they were living for the Lord, you know. But, but Danny can play football, and he's, that's not his life. His life is Christ. Football is just something he's doing at the time, at the time that he's living for Christ. Um, you know, whether you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, you do all of the glory of God. So when I'm eating, it's to the glory of God. When I'm drinking, it's to the glory of God. When I'm playing baseball, it's to the glory of God. When I'm, whatever I'm doing, the conversation I'm having with somebody, it's to the glory of God. But they've bartered the truth for a lie. They've exchanged the creator for the creature. What does it profit a man, right? Have you thought about that in talking about this? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, how many people are not going to make it there? They're not going to get that. But even if they did, even if they did, what a, to use some older English language, what a paltry sum in comparison to God. You know, what will a man give, we have that scripture too, in exchange for his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his own soul. And that's what we're talking about here in verse number four. They've bartered, they've exchanged, they've run after other things other than God. What's that, brother? Bowl of soup. Bowl of soup, right. Yeah, there was somebody that did that, right? Who was that? Esau. Yeah, Teresa was just talking about that yesterday. She's been reading from an, another version of Scripture I don't know which one it was, but anyway, it's a daily Bible that we have, um, and she's been reading through it, and she was commenting to me yesterday, if, if in the King James, anybody know how that, that, that was described? Hmm? Not porridge, close, it's pottage. And he wanted some of that red pottage. Well, when Teresa was reading through this version, it said, give me some of that red stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm like, that kind of falls short, you know, <laughs> a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he, he, he would give up for just a bowl of soup. That's what Donnie's saying, you know, a bowl of soup. Um, what would we have given had the Lord not arrested us as he did Saul of Tarsus? 
if the Lord hadn't arrested us, what would we have given our own soul for? Right? What could it have been? What, what insignificant thing? It doesn't matter what it is. It, it could be the most popular you know, thing on the planet right now, but what an insignificant thing it would be to exchange our own soul for. Uh, instead of, you know, we get down to the end of this, this chapter talking about fullness of joy and pleasures. That, you know, all the, the pleasure of this life, how little in comparison to this fullness of joy and the pleasure that there is in God. What we would not have known when we were dead in trespasses and sins. But now, we know the goodness of the Lord. We know the mercy of the Lord. We know the salvation of the Lord. And we rejoice and joy, you know, in that. So, what do you offer yourself unto? What are you giving your soul in exchange for? And what have we placed our trust? Where do we find comfort and rest? Psalm 97.7 says, Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. And then the psalmist says, Worship Him. Worship Him, all ye gods. Psalm 32.10 says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Can you see that in verse number four? Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Isn't that what it says? That hasten after another God. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him. Above, beneath, beside, before, behind, compass him. All about mercy. Mercy compasses you. What, what was the verse last week that I had you kind of finish? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here, mercy shall compass him about. Who's going to multiply these sorrows? It says here that their sorrows shall be multiplied. Who's going to do that? God's going to do that, absolutely. I mean, think about places like Revelation chapter 14, verse number 9 says this, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. No rest. None. No respite. No break. It says day or night. Multiplied unto them. I read something this morning. I almost sent it out, but I already sent out two things, so I thought, you know, probably ought to send out three. I uh, don't know if you read all of that or not, but... Maybe I'll send it out to you later, but but it was something that John Wesley had written about earthquakes. And he just went through verse after verse after verse after verse talking about God's the one that sends those earthquakes, you know. When you think about multiplied and you think about those, some of those those thoughts come, you know, to your mind. 
Um, God's the one that's multiplying these things. And then you get over to Revelation 18, verse number four, it says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, you think about here, you've got this one camp and here you've got the other camp, right? You've got those that are trusting in the Lord. You've got those that are trusting in the things of this life. Okay. Revelation 18, four, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. That, that, that makes me think, you know, of some Old Testament things, thinking about earthquakes, thinking about that. Um, and who, who was it that rebelled against Moses? The sons of who? Hmm? Korah? Yeah. And you remember, God says, get away from them. Yeah, just swallowed them up. Swallowed them up. So I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins. I mean, that's, that's going into the promised land territory too, isn't it? You know, when you get in there, don't take upon yourselves the customs of those people, you know, um, and, and serve their gods. Because if you do, and this is all, you know, we went through Deuteronomy. If you do, then the land's going to vomit you out just like it has vomited them out uh, because God gave that land to the Israelites. Um, so, <clears throat> and that you receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached unto heaven. And that makes you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? The Lord's saying, come down to see if all, you know, if, if those things are, you know, that, that I mean, it's, it's helping us to understand God doesn't have to learn anything, you know, but he comes down to see if those things are so. Um, but her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. There's, there's, a, there's a point, isn't there? That God says, okay, that's it. No more. I mean, it's, it, 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 you're going to be cut off, you know, from the land of the living. Yeah, right, right. So we're called to come out, come out of these things that the world loves. Don't love, the scripture tells us not to. Do not love the things that the world loves. Don't love, the, don't go after the things that the world goes after. Don't set your heart's affection upon the things that the world sets their affection upon. Uh, these, these things are trifles. They are meaningless. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those things the world is just clamoring after, is, is, is selling their souls, exchanging their souls for, God says, I'll provide what you have need of. The early and latter rain. I'm stirring you up, brother. What do you got to say? <laughs> yeah. A lie, yeah. They exchange the truth for a lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lie, yeah. It promises so much, but it will deliver death. Yeah. Sure. Nobody's going to tell them what to do. Yeah. 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 They're not going to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. They're going to rebel, um, you know, at every, every turn. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he would become God. Yeah. Um, look what he exchanged. I mean, there he was, you know, the, 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 at, at the head of the host of uh, the angels, as it were. Uh, none more beautiful, you know, than he. Uh, look how far he fell. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, how about, you know, him, that, that passing on in the garden, you know, and here's Eve and, you know, you know God's, has, you're surely not going to die. It's a lie, right? You know, there it is. We see it over and over again. Yeah. 
the lie, right? The lie. Yeah. You will be as gods, yeah. yeah. But don't partake of her sins. Come out from among her. Um, glorify, sanctify yourselves. You know, um, how many times has Brother J.T. stood up here and said, you know, sanctify yourselves. Call a solemn assembly, you know. Um, they've bartered for another god. Exchanged the truth of God for a lie, yes. They worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. You know, Romans one twenty-five, amen. They're drinking in iniquity like water. Job fifteen sixteen, Romans thir- uh, three thirteen. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This in this great exchange that's happening, um, there is no fear of God before their eyes. They offer themselves to worldly things, but not unto God. They love the world and the things of this world, not God, not His Word, not His Christ, not His people. You know, Philippians gives a good definition of them. Philippians 3.19 says, whose end is destruction. Their end is destruction. Whose God is their, anybody? Belly, Right? Whose glory is their shame? Who do what? Mind earthly things. Mind earthly things. But that's not how the Christians described. You get to places like Colossians 3 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Not the things that are beneath, but the things that are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your, own, uh, your affections. On things above, not on things of the earth. On things above. The affection of the child of God is not on the things that the world's affection is upon. It's upon things above, not things beneath. Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether it be by life or death, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What verse? That scripture, that's Philippians 1, 20 and 21. Yeah. Yeah. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the people of God, they love the things of God. They set their affection upon the things of God. They delight themselves in God. He is their delight. The world, they worship the vanities of this life. But we don't worship where they worship, what they worship, or how they worship. Think about their gods. And I know we've, we've mentioned this verse of Scripture before, but, but it, does, it does kind of shine a light once again, upon what we were talking about earlier, we were saying these things that they go after, they're so insignificant. They're so worthless. They're so vain in comparison to what we have in Christ. Well, their gods have to be carried by them, right? You know where I'm going, Isaiah. 
Isaiah 46, verse number 6. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale hire a goldsmith. And he makes it into a god. They bow down. Indeed, they worship it. They lift it up on their shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. How silly, isn't it? I mean, to think about what... They're, they're giving their own souls for, what they're exchanging their own souls for. Yep. Yep. Carve a God out of one half and take, and take the other half of the same piece of wood that they made a God out of and they burn it and they cook their meal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Dagon, that happened to him, didn't it? Bef- yeah, before the ark. Yeah. Um, but you know they have to carry their God. Give me, give me the the contrast there. What's the opposite of that with our God? He carries us, doesn't he? Yeah. So Isaiah forty six. We go back up a few verses from where we were in verses three and four. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel. You have been born by me from birth, from birth. And have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I will be the same. I've carried you from the womb, I'm going to carry you all the way through the grave and into glory. You know, even even to your graying years, I will bear you. Listen to God. He says, I have done it. I've, I've carried you from the womb. I've done it. He said, I've done it and I will do it. I will perform the thing that I've said I would, I would do for you. He says, I, I have done it. I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. The things that that other God that Donnie's describing, that take a whole log and half of it, you make a God out of it, and the other half, you know, you chop up for firewood. Um, well, if I was that God, you, you know, that was carved out of wood, if I was really a God, I'd be a little offended that you cut half of me off and burn me in the fire, you know. Uh, I'd be a little upset, you know, and you might have to make some kind of, you know, sacrifice for that. But, but um, our God sacrificed for us, right? He gave himself for us. We gladly give ourselves, you know, for him. And so David says, they serve those who they call gods who are not gods, who cannot deliver. And David says, I will have nothing to do with them. I'll not offer unto their gods what they offer. I'll not worship that which cannot deliver. I'm going to worship the true and living God who will deliver me. He says in verse number five, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. The Lord is my all in all. The Lord is everything to me. The Lord provides everything that I need. And we can go back to last week and Brother JT talking about the early and latter rain. You know, he sends both. He provides. David says at the end of that verse, verse number five of our psalm, you support my lot. You're the one that supports me. They have to support their God. I mean, can you imagine such a thing, Emmy? 
You know, they've carved out a God and they stick it over on the, whether it's like Brother Donnie was saying on the fireplace or they stand it up over in the corner and they got to be careful it doesn't get knocked over. They've got to deliver it. Uh, if it fell over, they'd have to deliver it and stand it back up, you know, upright. But our God delivers us. Our God supports us. Our God is our portion. He's all we need. Our joy is found in Him. He fills all in all, doesn't He? God and God alone will maintain me in this present life and will carry me on into glory. I have no other place to turn. I need no other place to turn. I want no other place to turn, right? God is our portion. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And you think about portions. And I can remember whenever I was Danny's age. And I can remember being perpetually hungry. Um, I could not get full. Um, and you just, you, they just worked us to death. On the, on the football field, and, and you were just hungry all the time, um, not to mention thirsty, and you were, wish you could go over there and get a drink, but we'll give you a water break later. Uh, I need a water break now. <laughs> I, don't, I have no spit left in my mouth, you know. Um, he is our portion. But I think about portions, and mom would cook. I remember one particular time, I'm not a big organ meat eater. What was that? Is it haggis? What is that stuff they eat? And, is that what it was? And it was what? Kidney and liver and it was all kind of organ meats. But it was, it was one of those, um, what was it, The Amazing Race? It was a, an old episode way back of The Amazing they had to They had to make haggis. Um, and then they had to eat it. And I'm like, <laughs> no thanks. But I came in one day and mom had cooked a bunch of chicken livers. I thought they were chicken nuggets. <laughs> and... I was so hungry, Danny. I don't think I taste. I was just inhaling them. I hadn't tasted anything. And then Mom was like, "I didn't know you liked chicken livers." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> All of a sudden, I was my stomach wasn't feeling too good to me at that point. Uh, I think about that. I'd eaten chicken livers. You know, um, that was to me that was catfish bait. That wasn't uh, something I need to be frying and eating. You know. Um, anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if you fry it, it tastes better than it would. <laughs> Otherwise, um, but talking about portion, you know, I, I wanted to get first to the table and you can ask Ryan because the brother between he and I, Richard, he would stare Ryan down, you know, Ryan have his little, his little happy meal hamburger, you know, it wasn't a real big hamburger anyway. And then he was just a little scrawny kid. He needed to eat the whole thing. And Ricky just kept looking at him, looking at him. Finally, Ryan would be like, take it, you know. Um, but talk about portions. You know, we wanted more. We were hungry. Well, the Lord's our portion. What other portion do we need in this life other than He? You think about Abraham. What did the Lord say to him? I am thy, what? Exceeding great reward. I'm thy portion. You know, I'm thy portion. I'm thy exceeding great reward. You know, isn't that a wonderful verse of Scripture? I think about that a lot of times. God is my portion. 
God has given himself for me. He's given himself to me. He abides with me. He abides in me. Uh, he calls all things to work together for my good. I mean, God is my portion. I mean, what a wonderful thing. God's our portion. I am thy shield. I was trying to think of the other word. Yeah. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I had it written down here. I was just trying. You know, it wasn't coming. Um, but listen to Deuteronomy 32.9. Speaking about portion. For the Lord's... Th- I mean, we're talking about God being our portion, right? Listen to what Deuteronomy 32.9 says. For the Lord's portion is his people. Can you imagine that? I mean... He's our portion, but he's taken us as his portion, right? The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. That's amazing. You know, that, that makes me think of the, 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 the thing that's up, up in our bedroom on the wall. Basically saying, I am his, and he is mine. You know? You know he, he's my portion. I'm his portion. He says so right there. The Lord says that we are his portion. I am his and he is mine. I mean, you think about portions. I mean, Israel had a physical land that by tribe they inherited. Our inheritance is not a piece of dirt. God is our portion. God is our inheritance. Our inheritance is the Lord of glory himself. I mean, the one that's going to stand in the latter day and men are going to cry out and say, hide me from the face of the Lamb. Let the rocks of the earth fall upon me and hide me from the face of the Lamb that sitteth upon the throne. Um, Our inheritance is the Lord of glory himself. Do you remember all the hype around the prayer of Jabez? And y'all remember that going on? You know, you had the what would Jesus do thing. You know, then we had the prayer of Jabez. And the emphasis on that, I mean, it, it, it's scriptural, you know, it's, it's there. You know, but you read in First Chronicles 4.10, Jabez calls upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. And that's pretty much what they emphasized. I mean, you go on and read further, And that thine hand might be with me, and thou wouldst keep me from evil, and that, that, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that request. Well, what was, what was this coast that he was asking about well if you read further in the verse i think it gives a definite it it defines itself doesn't it when he says that your hand might be with me right that thou wouldst not that, that that you would keep me from evil that it may not grieve me deliver us from evil right you know that's that's really in a sense what he's praying for now the health and wealth and the name and claimant group you know they were just focusing on that first part there enlarge my borders Increase my bank account. Give me a bigger, nicer car. You know, uh, whatever you want to say about it. Um, but the emphasis was heavy upon, you know, that. Well, we kind of see what Jabez was saying there. You know, what would it mean to Paul? You know, if Paul was praying that prayer, it would be like this. Philippians 3, verse 8. Yea, doubtless... I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. 
Lord, if I'm praying for my borders to be enlarged, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Just another way of saying the Lord is my portion. That he maintains our lot, that he supports us, cares for us, keeps us, carries us, um, preserves us, last week we said. So by him we are kept, by him we are supplied, by him we are nourished, by him we are refreshed, and nothing can pluck us out of his hand. And the men of the world, of this world, get their, their, their sustenance, their substance in this life. That's all they're going to have. That's all they're going to have. This is their portion. The things of this life is their portion. What are they exchanging their own souls for? Going after silver and going after gold. Well, how is it with your soul? You know, what has your soul set its affections upon? Where is your trust? What is your portion? These are the things this this psalmist is asking us. Death is coming, right? We sang that, didn't we? Death is coming. Hell is moving. You know, we sang that, didn't we? How's your soul? Is it ready to stand before God? I mean, I'm standing here preaching to you as a dying man. And I'm preaching unto dying men and women, you know, right? What are you striving for? What are you striving after? The world's striving for things, to obtain things that they cannot take with them. You know, I beg to differ with the person who says you can't take it with you. I'm not going to take my car with me. I'm not going to take my house with me. I'm not going to take my bank account with me. I'm not going to take, you know, any of my earthly possessions with me. But I will take something with me. Mm-hmm. And they will too, really. You know, theirs is going to be outfitted to endure hell for eternity. Yours is going to be outfitted to endure dwelling in the presence of God, <laughs> you know, for eternity. Yeah, yeah. Clothed, you know, with... You know, righteousness from above, you know, we are to be able to stand in his presence, to be able to, and give a glorified body to be able to dwell, you know, in his presence. Um, what a wonder. No wonder David says in Psalm 16, 6, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. You want to think about inheritance? When you think about here, you got a, a rich uncle or, you know, something, and he leaves all this stuff. You're, you know, you, you know he's going to pass away one day, and you, there are things that he has that you really would like to have. And everything that you wanted and more was left to you. Really, all of it was left to you. Um, and you're like, that's just what I wanted. That's what, I'm, I'm, satis- that's, I'm satisfied with what, what was given to me. I'm my inheritance because it's, it's exactly what I wanted, you know, what I desired. And then the tax bill comes. <laughs> but the lines have fallen into me in pleasant places. What kind of lines? You know, what, what can we define the lines as? You know, well... I mean, if you want to put it in a physical sense, you know, you think about the children of Israel going in. We talked about the dirt, right? And the, by tribe inheriting, you know, they got this piece, this tract, you know, of land. 
Um, and, I, and I mentioned something about that last week, you know, about you know, the lines falling in pleasant places that you got that, that track, you know, where, where off of the, the mountainside, you know, the river and the stream, you know, ran right through, you know, your land and, and, and fed and watered your fields and, and, and watered your cattle, you know, and, 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 and your livestock and those, it would be that pleasant, that'd be pleasant, a pleasant situation. Um, but the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage, and I'm reading from the New American Standard now, is beautiful to me. Your inheritance, is it beautiful to you? You know, what does it say in the King James? It says, the lines are fallen in pleasant places. Yeah, I have a goodly heritage. You know, is what you've been given good in the Lord? You consider that to be beautiful unto you as we look at it in the other? What better inheritance could you have, Christian? What better could you be given than what you've been given? Mm-hmm. You've been given God Himself. Yeah. Pleasant. Can you imagine what the Garden of Eden must be? Yeah, pleasant. Yeah. What better inheritance than God Himself? The lines indeed have fallen unto us in pleasant places. You who know the Lord, you who love the Lord, do you like the lay of the land? That's the way older people, older people used to talk about it. I love the lay of the land. This is a good property. I like the lay of the land here, right? And you've talked about that before with a cotton field, you know, with your dad perched on a piece of property, you know. So we like the lay of the land. It couldn't be any better. Our inheritance, the borders, what we've been given, um, it's really greater than we can survey. If you want to think about it in, in land terms and being able to survey, you know, it's, it's, it's more than the back 40, Right? Yeah. As far as I can see. Yeah. I mean, if we had to put it, you know, in, in, in scriptural terms, I mean, you look at Ephesians three fourteen through 19, when Paul says, you know, for this cause I bow my knee, you know, uh, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in earth and heaven is named. I mean, he, he's, he's kind of, he's talking about this that we've inherited, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. I mean, you think about the strength that God gives unto you, Christian. I mean, is there any limit to it? Is it ever going to fail? Is it ever going to run out? You know, uh, uh, we're doing a job for a guy right now that's, that's on the water. You've been over there once, Sister Shelby, over to the Cable's house. The water is receding. They're on the upper end of Lake Conroe. I mean, the northernmost finger. And, and, and the water is receding, 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 receding. If I set up a camera, you know, you can just watch it. You know, it's just drying up. The heat's just, just cooking it. Uh, but that's not the case with what our inheritance. I mean, it's the, the mercy of God. I mean, what, the love of God. I mean, whatever you want to It's just unending, you know, unending. And we used the analogy before that if you go to the beach and you walk out into the water and you take a cup and you fill it up and you take it out of the ocean, that ocean doesn't look like it, but it's still one cup less than what it was. Not so with God. Uh, buckets full, and it never, you know, it never diminishes, depletes, recedes, you know, in not any iota, not at all. But he says that he would grant you according to the rich of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, and here we go, may be able to comprehend 
I mean, this, these lines, this inheritance, these pleasant places, this beautiful you know, inheritance that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, right? What is the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, right? I mean, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither enter the heart of man, things that God has prepared for them that, that love him. You know, Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 1, 4. It's an inheritance. What? What's some descriptives that he used? Inheritance that is, he used the word this morning, incorruptible. Incorruptible. Undefiled. And that what? Fadeth not away. That fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. Our inheritance couldn't, couldn't be any greater. It could not be any greater. It's all that God is. It's all that Christ is. It's all that the Spirit is you know, unto us. He says in verse number 7, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Has the Lord not counseled you? He's shown you these things. He's, he's shown you and given unto you the earnest of your inheritance. You've, you've seen through a glass darkly, but then it's going to be face to face. I mean, we haven't even begun. I mean, we can imagine, we see what Scripture says unto us, but we haven't, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Not in its fullness. Um, I mean, the grandeur of it, uh, it, it was, Paul said he was caught up in the third heaven and he saw unspeakable things. There wasn't a reference point. There was no way to describe it to you, you know. Um, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me indeed. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. You know, whether that's night seasons that we go through or whether it be because I, I have, I, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and there's hymns, you know, playing already in my head when I come, when I come to my senses, so to speak, there's a hymn already playing, you know, there. Um, and, and that is such a wonderful blessing. I know you've had the experience and, and I've, I've also not known that experience. You know, things interfere and intervene in my life to a degree that it interrupts, you know, that. And I'm crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, I don't want to think and worry and fret over those things. I want you, you know, to be in my every thought. Um, so he's counseled us. He's, the Lord speaks unto us. I mean, hopefully he's giving us somewhat of a glimpse of, of what we have in him. Um, Brother Conrad said to have all the so-called pleasures this mad world scrambles for and yet be under the wrath of God is the most miserable state possible for the creature. And then he, on contrast, he says, to have none of this world's good and none of its favor and yet have the, fe- the favor and the peace of God is a joy priceless beyond measure. Have nothing of, the, of this world and have Christ. We have everything. We have everything. I mean, how short is this life in comparison to eternity? I mean, it's not even dust upon the scales. It, it, can't, it can't even really, it's not even a measure uh, at all. But David says that he set the Lord always before him. I, I, I love that verse of Scripture. I mean, that's where we need to live. Setting the Lord always before us. I mean, here comes something to tempt us to despair. Here comes something to tempt us to fear. Here comes something to tempt us to doubt. 
set the Lord always before you. You know, the analogy I used last week of the kid that wanted to, you know, fight my little brother, but whenever I was there, you know, he didn't want to try that. You know, but standing always before the Lord, always standing, always being under the, the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. And you're thinking about a, a, a hen and her chicks, and she gathers them together. My girls haven't actually been able to see that. We've incubated all of them and grown them until we've thrown them in there with the bigger chickens, you know. But, but um, you know, what, what, a, what a lovely thing, a beautiful thing to see. You know, that mother hen, and she's hatched those chicks in her nest. She's gone without, you know, having to sit on those, those eggs to hatch them. And here they are, these little bitty things, just cheap, 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 you know, and she's gathering them all together. You know, or maybe little ducklings, you know, following the mama all in a row. You know, we see those. But here he said, I've set the Lord always before me. What can stand in his presence? Uh, Lord, you're in control of all this. Why should I worry? Why should I fret? Why should I fear? I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. What about our present circumstances? Have we set the Lord before us, whatever your present circumstances are? whether they be things that you're going through that are things that you wouldn't have chosen for yourself, or maybe there's something that you have, you know, set your affections upon doing, you know, in a sense. I mean, Bruce is about to build, you know, a, a new dwelling. A what? Okay, having it built. Yes. Well, in a sense, you're, we couldn't do it if you weren't, you know, asking us to do it. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, but, you know, have I set the Lord before me in this? And this I'm about to do, have I set the Lord before me in all these things? Maybe I'm going to start a new business venture. Have I set the Lord before me? Uh, maybe one day these, these young guys and these young ladies are going to get married. Have I set the Lord before me? Um, you know, what about when we face death? I mean, Sister Shelby and I were talking about it yesterday. We have an elderly population in our midst. There's some funerals in our future. Have I set the Lord always before me? You know? I mean, am I, am, I, am I afraid of death? Have I set the Lord before me in that? Are we standing in that place? I mean, what does that look like? To me, it looks like this in our circumstances. Here, I'm going through something that I wouldn't have chosen for myself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In due season, He'll exalt you. But humble yourself in all your circumstances. Set the Lord, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set the Lord before you in all these things, whatever they may be. I mean, if we do, then we can say, like R.C. Sproul would say, there's not one maverick molecule in the universe, there's nothing out there. I said that the other day, and one of my kids asked me, what's maverick? You know, I said, it's not out there doing its own thing. You know, it's not a lone ranger, you know, out there doing its own thing. There's not a maverick molecule. Every single molecule is under his mighty hand. Whether, whether man wants to admit it or not, he's still. Here we're being told, humble yourselves under it. Lord, do with me. Lord, do with mine what you will. You are a gracious God. You are mighty to save. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle down right here, and I'm going to humble myself. I mean, that little chick could decide it wants to go out there, you know, and, and do its own thing. Best place for it is under its mama's wing, right? So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Listen to what Psalm 138, 6 through 8 says. Though the Lord be high, and he is. How much higher? Higher than the heavens are above the earth. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth far off. The proud are kept at a distance. How, how hard is it for you, Danny, your little brothers? I mean, they come towards you, just put your hand on their head, on their head and just you hold them right there. And they, you know, they're kept at a distance, right? They're kept at a distance. That's what's the proud, he knoweth the far off. They're kept at a distance. But the humble, he has respect unto. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Who? The one who humbles himself under the mighty hand of God. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm such an insignificant, tiny, weak thing. Um, I, I need you to preserve me. I need you to protect me. I need you to keep me. Uh, whatever, I, I know, Lord, this thing that you brought, you're, you're doing something in it. You give me grace to sustain me through it. Teach me what it is I need to learn from it. Help me to glorify you in it. I mean, this is humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He's our refuge, our treasure, our sovereign, our counselor. He's the place that I go. He's to whom I turn. He's the one upon whom I lean. He's my portion. He sustains me, preserves me. He carries me. Now, these are things that we've seen, you know, just in this psalm here. So David says his heart is glad. Says he rejoices. Says he dwells secure, right? He delights in God. He delights in all that God is, all that God does. 